So good morning. Um, we just uh, we just read in our Sunday school class together, our Bible study time in First um, Samuel chapter twenty-eight. I'm sorry, twenty-seven. Uh, and there's just a couple of things I wanted to bring out, and we'll just read just a small portion of it and move on. So, um, in leading up to Samuel, 1 Samuel 27, David uh, has killed Goliath. He's the hero of Israel. Everybody's singing their songs. David has, Saul has killed his thousands. David has ten thousands. Uh, Saul immediately, his love for David immediately turns to jealousy and rage and uh, Twice, no, three times in his own palace, who David was basically hired and brought to Saul's palace to play the harp before him to calm the evil spirit that was in him. So three times, Paul, I mean Saul, uh, this is where Paul got his name, the great apostle Paul, but Saul tries to pin David to his wall with his javelin, tries to kill him in his presence, in his palace. Three times. And then so finally, David uh, takes off running for his life, and the rest is history, right? So David is running for, uh, you know, who knows how long. Uh, we see in today's passage that he was with the Philistines for a year and four months, 16 months. Uh, David was on the run for perhaps uh, two years, two and a half years. Uh, it was a long time. And so when he when he first runs away, he ends up in the, the cave Adullam, and uh, 400 men come and join themselves to him. And these are, uh, these are men that, uh, let's see, let me read it in chapter 22. These are men who are, uh, this is the living translation, men that are in trouble and in debt and who are discontented. Or uh, in uh, in D words, they were um, distressed, depressed, in debt, and discontent. So he's got all these men following. He's got four hundred men that come to join himself, and I just you can imagine. I can't imagine uh, him uh, being the 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 cap. They made him their captain, and what they saw in him was obviously the Lord, this great character of strength and righteousness. Uh, instead of, instead of uh, being afraid of Goliath and afraid of the Philistines, and a, instead of acting like King Saul, who was acting the part of a king, but it really was not, you know, king material. David is. Everybody sees that in him. These guys are attracted to him, and they come to join themselves to him, in this cave, I can't imagine what it would be like to live with 400 men in a cave. That just does not sound good at all. But, you know, they made David their captain. They're on the run. They're running from King Saul. And time after time after time, God spares David from being murdered by King Saul in his palace the first three times. And then Saul has several attempts on his life after that. I think I got up to about eight attempts and stopped counting. How many attempts Saul had trying to kill David? And so every time 
David escapes. And I won't take time to, to go through the last two, but the, one of them was, uh, uh, one of the obvious one was David was on the run. Saul and his army was chasing him. And he's got his entire army, you know, after him. And so along the way, you know, Saul relieves himself in a cave. It just so happens to be the same cave that David is and his men are in. And they're saying, this is your time, David. This is your time to take your, God has delivered this enemy into your hands. And so David says, no, don't touch the Lord's anointed. He's the anointed king. God will take care of him, not me. Uh, you know, vengeance is not mine, says the Lord. And so... Uh, 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 David, let me excuse me. David was never afraid, uh, um, or David never held Saul as an enemy. He, he never hated Saul. He never was like trying to kill. He, I mean, he, it was hands off. His all this 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 vitriol and this anger, this lust for death was all one sided. It was all Saul against David. David had done nothing wrong. David had never crossed Saul. He only did what was right. Such a stellar example. And now he's being chased for his life because of Saul's jealousy. And he's still keeping this high standard that even his men can't figure out. And so he says, no, don't touch the Lord's anointed. And they cut off a part of his robe. And so when Saul leaves, he holds it up and yells out to Saul, you know. And so Saul's convicted. And then the next time, uh, you know, and he leaves. And, you know, Saul is deeply convicted that David is still a righteous, more, far more righteous than he is, far more deserving of the kingdom than he is. And Saul goes home, you know. And then it wasn't long after that that he decided, yeah, I'm going to go kill David. I'm going to try it again. So he goes and, you know, chases him. And he's camped out. And he's got his 3,000 uh, uh, the top troops that he has. These are 3,000 special ops of Israel. They're camped in a circle. Saul is camped in the middle, laying in the middle. They're all around him. And then when night falls, David and uh, Abishai uh, comes uh, sneaking into the camp, stepping over, I think. My vision is that they're not sleeping in a spoke spat pattern. They're sleeping in circles, head to toe, all around him. And he has to step over bodies, step over special ops soldiers, to get to Saul. <laughs> so he sneaks up on Saul and he pulls out the spear that's by his head that he could have easily run through. His, his buddy that was with him, Abishai, he said, let me pin him to the ground. And so he says, no, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Okay. So he's still holding this high standard. Then they sneak back out of the camp. You know, then he gets far away, you know, you know, across this big divide and he's yelling at them and, and they wake up and, and Saul is again re recognizing that this is David. He could have he could have killed him again, and he spared his life. Okay, so this is what leads up to chapter twenty seven. So now, after this instance, you know that 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 David is saved again from the hands of Saul, and. Uh, after So then let me read the last verse of chapter 26. And Saul said to David, blessings on you, my son, David. You, this is the living translation. You will do many heroic deeds and you will surely succeed. Saul knew that David was destined to be the king of Israel in his place because he was a lousy king. He didn't know the Lord. He disobeyed Samuel, the prophet who's already died told him that God's going to tear the kingdom from him, give it to a better man. This David is the better man. So uh, then 
David went his way and Saul returned home. So David's still out in the wilderness, uh, fleeing for his life because he know as soon as Saul gets home, he's going to be, you know, infected by this evil spirit again and get riled up again and come chasing after David again. So the next sentence is what David thinks. But verse 20, chapter seven, chapter 27, verse one, but in the living says, David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. The best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. So after all of these miraculous deliverances, David says, man, I'm just one step away from death. I'm one breath away from death. And Saul, one of these days, I'm, I'm, he's going to, I'm just as like a, I'm as good as a dead dog. So you look at this and you wonder and you marvel. And so what we call this, what I call this, what I refer to this is stinking thinking. Instead of, instead of thinking what is right and true, remembering what God has done for us, remember what his plans for us, the, you know, the prophecies about David and, and all that God has led him to already. No, he's been anointed as king of Israel by the prophet Samuel. Jonathan knows, we just covered this in Sunday school, our, our Bible study class is a great class. Jonathan knows that David is going to reign as king, and Jonathan is expecting to reign with him. Saul knows that David is going to reign as king. David, Abigail, uh, uh, the story about Abigail and Nabal, how she interceded for David. And uh, through uh, some reasoning, you know, convinced him not to do something really wrong. Take vengeance in his own hands against Nabal. He was prevented from doing this horrible thing and was restored to his high position, his high moral position in Israel. Wow. And then he says this. He kept thinking to himself. Someday he's going to get me. I just need to I just need to give up. And I need to go to the enemy side, the Philistines, and camp out with the enemy. So let's just say, let me just want to say a couple of things about this. We were just talking about uh, the this decision that David had and how that now by now he's got 600 men and he's got two wives that he's like traipsing through the wilderness with 600 men and his two wives. And the burden this must have been on him and they're all looking at him thinking, well, what are you going to do now, David? What are we going to do now? Where are we going to go now? Where's the next hideout going to be? And so he, David feels like he's run out of options. And he's got all these men he's responsible for. And how much of the burden of that was on him to make this, to think this stinking thinking. Someday Saul's going to get me. Someday it's going to happen. So that's one burden that he had. But uh, the other is just this daily, daily, daily grind. I want to remind us that David showed zero fear for Goliath and all the other enemies of Israel. He was never afraid, afraid of, of Goliath, the Philistines, and all the other Canaanites that were there. In the, in the rest of his history, he never feared God's enemies ever. And until 
Saul, his king, the king of Israel, put in a high position above him, even though David's the anointed king, Saul is still in power. He's an unbeliever. But you see, he has a relationship with Saul. He did not have a relationship with the Philistines, anything close. He didn't know them personally. You know, he didn't marry any of their daughters. He's married to one of Saul's daughters. He has this personal relationship with, with Saul, King Saul. And it gets way more tangled. And see, when, the, when you beat up on the Philistines, you go to war with the Philistines, they're going to be, you know, beaten, and a lot of them are going to be killed. They're going to have to retreat and, and reestablish themselves. It's going to take some time. So there's some time of peace. But when you have a constant enemy, always there, always tracking you, always dogging you, always, always gunning for you, that has got to get really, really old. And so, just like anybody else, David, being a human being, finally wears down. Instead of looking to God, he feels like he's the only shot caller. He's got to have all the answers, and he doesn't, he's out of options. Let's go join the enemy. So, we call this stinking thinking because it's the wrong thing to be thinking about, even though it's Normal, natural, happens to all of us. And uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, real quick, I want to read this. Let's start in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. This is the Apostle Paul writing to this, the Corinthian church, which has lots, a lot of problems that came into the church through their pagan, uh, their pagan relationships before. We are human, but we, do, we don't wage war as humans uh, do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. And destroy false arguments. You get those two things? Human reasoning, false arguments. Far, th that's not the word of God, obviously. That's the opposite. We destroy, verse 5, we destroyed every proud obstacle that keeps people from the knowledge of God we, uh, and teach them to obey Christ. So in King James that says, taking every thought captive. Taking every thought captive in our minds to the obedience of Christ and the word of God will keep you out of stinking thinking. Thinking the wrong things about yourself. Thinking the wrong things about the people that are depending on you. Thinking the wrong things about the world. Uh, it's so We have this problem, trust me. We got a big problem in the church with stinking thinking. Uh, it manifests itself with things like, uh, well... You know, uh, 60% of, of, of uh, Christians in general were unhappy that Roe versus Wade was just overturned in 2022. 60% of them thought that was a bad idea. Wow. That's shocking. 55% of evangelicals thought that that was a bad idea. Why? Because they have stinking thinking. They are not, not thinking according to the Word of God and what the Bible says clearly. They've been thinking on the same thing, been feeding on the same poison that the rest of the world feeds on, the media, the culture. 
Oh, abortion is just a form of birth control. There's no babies involved. It's just a blob of tissue, a clump of cells. So when, <laughs> when we feed ourselves on this thinking, thinking, we're going to think the same way as the world. We're going to act the same way too. So that's stinking thinking. Let's go to, uh, from there, let's go to turn to Philippians chapter 4. This is the Thursday Bible study going through Philippians, and we just went through this recently. Philippians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 4. And uh, this is so instructive um, for things just like this, stinking thinking. Um, let's look at chapter 4, verse 2. Now let's go on down to chapter 4, verse 4. Always be full of the joy of the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Always plug that in the back of your memory. Always keep that in the front of your ram. The Lord is coming soon. Verse 6. Don't worry about anything. And anything. Anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Just in other words, uh, don't forget about what God has already done for you. If you've been saved, you've been transformed from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. You have come from dead, you know, being spiritually dead to being spiritually alive and able to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ and have a real life, abundant life, life that's worth living, and, and that you're headed for heaven, and that you're not just forgiven your sins, coming back to ground zero. You've been elevated to place of sons of God, children of God. That's incredible. So thanking him for all he has done. When you think about these things, that changes your thinking a lot. Verse uh, 7, then you will experience God's peace. David, when he made this decision, did not have peace <laughs> about this decision. Well, I have peace about joining the, you know, Israel's enemies. Yeah, I have peace about that. No, he didn't. It was a bad decision, and he didn't have peace. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds, your emotions, your soul, and your mind, your thinking, if you do this, will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So here's the punchline. Here's the, the, uh, the remedy for stinking thinking. Remember what he's done for you, verse 8. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, what is right and pure and lovely. And admirable. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. In other words, don't think on things below. I think it's Colossians. Don't think on things below. Think on things above. These things that are right and true. First of all, true. I mean, if you're thinking something that, man, I am such a jerk, which may be true if you weren't in Christ, but since you're in Christ, or I'm such a loser, which you were a loser, but if you're in Christ, you're not a loser anymore. You're more than a conqueror. Man, I'm just such a failure, and I'm such a loser, and I'm just so stupid. You know, you're you're listening to stinking thinking and affected by the things around you instead of thinking on things above instead of things below, which draws you down, drags you down, 
into sin and the enemy's camp and in the devil's grip. So these are the things, these are the answers to stinking thinking that every one of us needs to remember. And, and we have a, such a privilege to live here right now for the cause of Christ, to be able to be light in a dark, dark, morally dark world that still hates God, still rejects God. If Christ came back, you know, if Christ was to be born as a baby, they would kill him again, okay? It would happen all over again. When he comes back the second time, it's not going to be his little baby in humility and obscurity. It's going to be the conquering king of kings, lord of lords, and he's coming back for judgment, okay? So we have an opportunity right now to serve the Lord while he is rejected in this dark world and to be salt, holding back corruption in this corrupt world that we live around us. So this is a grinding, you know, persistent battle we face every day, day in and day out, 24-7. It's so easy to be overcome and capitulate and fall into the camp, you know, of the enemy. So that's why Paul's, Paul's words, so clear, so important, so vital to the Christian to be with, you know, to get alone with God every day in the word and let this word, you know, let this mind dwell in you. Uh, let this word to dwell in you, the living word of God to wash your bad thoughts, this stinking thinking away and to, and to re remind us of who we really are in Christ, that we are more than conquerors, overwhelmingly conquerors, and that we've got nothing to fear. God is always, he's not only with us, we're in his hand. We're protected. We're safe in God's hand, in God's grip. And there's nothing that can happen to us outside of God's will for us when we follow and obey him. So God, encourage us in the dark times that we live in, with everything around us pushing against us, this stinking thinking doesn't infect us and cause us to do something really stupid and really bad. So God bless us and uh, really God bless you and, and, and deliver all of us from this stinking thinking and to be really, to look like, act like, feel like, even if you don't feel like it, you know, you just keep dwelling on the right things, you're going to eventually feel like it and get really encouraged to be uh, uh, warriors and conquerors for Christ. Amen.